are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in on this Thursday episode for you. We got the debut yesterday of Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Ten years, $325 million from the Dodgers. He pitched two innings in a spring training game, and basically I'm declaring he's going to be the best pitcher in baseball this year. Thank you. End of story. Remember how we talked about the NCAA thinking of going from the 12-team playoff to a 14-team playoff in 2026 after we get the two years of the 12-team? Well, they kind of laid out exactly how it would work, and I hate it. Jay Billis is trying to clarify what he said about giving citations to every child and kid that runs on a court, and now I'm even more confused because his explanation makes no sense. And a fascinating, fascinating NFL player survey that I didn't even know was a thing. But the team that's won three of the last five Super Bowls ranks pretty much dead last in it. We'll get to that survey and all more stuff momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team, and remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, the game starts here. All right, yesterday we talked about the fact that Shohei Otani played his first spring training game as a Dodger and hit a home run, meaning he's going to be on pace if he carries that over to the regular season for 162 home runs. And I basically declared that he's going to win the MVP yet again, his third in, what, six, seven seasons in the in the Major League Baseball? Well, yesterday the Dodgers' other free agent's big spend of the offseason from Japan, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the three-time MVP, pitched his first spring training game, went two innings, gave up one hit, and struck out three. Now, I sent this to my buddies on my group chat, and they're like, great, he's striking out guys that aren't you know, that are going to be packing groceries next week. Well, not quite. He did strike out Marcus Simeon, Nathaniel Lowe, and Leody Tavares, three guys that played and started all last year for the Texas Rangers, who, by the way, won the World Series. So let's not get the let's not let the facts get in the, get in the way of your narrative. And if you saw two of those three strikeouts, they were literally guys that had no idea what was coming, and the swing they gave was about as feeble as you could get. Like they were completely fooled. So now, after declaring Shohei Otani is going to win the MVP, I'm pretty much declaring Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to win the Cy Young. The Dodgers are going to win 115 games. And they're probably going to get bounced in the second round of the playoffs. No, I don't know what round they're getting bounced in. Maybe they get to, maybe they get to the NLCS this year. I don't know. I mean, look, all I care about is this guy can help the rotation. He's certainly got stupid stuff. I mean, I mean, yes, it was his first start, and I get it. But he made professional hitters look absolutely stupid yesterday. With it looked like they were two sinkers. And the hitters are getting guessing fastball and just gave these feeble swings that even if they made contact, it wouldn't have gotten past the pitcher. So the Dodgers have the thing about the Dodgers right now is I think we talked about this when they signed Otani and then when they signed Yamamoto like a month ago, two months ago, whenever it was, 
when they kept signing these guys, we were just like, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, this team is going to be the most hated team in baseball. Because, and honestly, outside of Los Angeles, nobody is going to be happy if they win the World Series. And nobody's going to give them any credit. Because you know what the storyline is going to be if the Dodgers win the World Series this year. One, it'll be great, finally. I mean, that's going to be, that's certainly going to be a take, finally. And then the second take is, well, of course you should win the World Series. You spend the most money. Okay, well, if that's your take, then my take on all those Yankees when they went four out of five years winning the World Series. That's my take then. I don't care. doesn't really count. You spent the most money. You should have won. You know, can we can we stop the argument that the team that spends the most money wins the World Series? Because I think basically ever since the year 2000, I don't think it's happened more than twice. The team with the highest payroll wins the World Series. It just doesn't happen anymore because baseball is so wonky in the playoffs. But I know that's going to be the take on the Dodgers this year, if and when they win it. And they need to win it. But I totally forgot they got Tyler Glass now in the offseason. That guy is filthy. I mean, if Walker Bueller comes back 75% of what he was, Dustin May 75% he was of what he was, Clayton Kershaw was really, really good in the regular season last year, in case you don't remember. He stunk in the playoffs again, but he was really good in the regular season. Can you imagine? Tony Gonsolin was really good in the regular season as well. They've got six to seven starting pitchers. But can you imagine if, if everyone stays healthy, a, a starting rotation of Yamamoto, Glasnow, Bueller, Kershaw, and Dustin May. Then you got spot duty for Tony Gonsolin, who at one point last year was like 13-1. and one. I, I just, <laughs> or maybe it was two years ago. Anyway, good starter. It's, wait, is Tony Gonson still on the team? I could have screwed that up. Oh, yeah, he is. But he had Tommy John surgery in December, so he's gone all of 2024. Okay, fine. He was pitcher number seven. So uh, I think this team, it, it, look, their offense is going to be so good. I mean, their pitching was very average because they had so many injuries last year. Their pitching was very average. Their offense is going to be so good, I don't think it's going to matter during the regular season. But come postseason, yes, Yamamoto needs to be healthy. Walker Bueller needs to be healthy. I don't even say Kershaw has to be healthy because he would be a third or fourth starter for me if they make the playoffs. But uh, having a threesome of Bueller, Gonsolin, I mean, excuse me, Bueller, Glasnow, and Yamamoto, <laughs> that that is that is nasty. Um. Yesterday we talked about the fact that college football looking at a 14-team playoff and how it would work, and this would happen after this current contract runs out. So it would start at the 2026-2027 season. So for the next two seasons, we're set to go with a 12-team playoff. The 14-team playoff, you're just like, wait a second, but we've only got five power conferences getting automatic bids in the 12-team model, so they're going to give nine automatic qualifier or nine nine um you know what's what's the word i'm looking for <laughs> i'm totally blanking at large <laughs> i don't know why i couldn't think of that so they're gonna go the five power conference winners or whatever and then go nine at largest no 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 no. they're discussing a 14 team model where 
the SEC would automatically get three qualifiers. The Big Ten would automatically get three qualifiers. The ACC and Big 12 would get two each, and then the group of five would get one, and then there'd be three spots open for an at-large. But if Notre Dame is in the top 14 on selection day, they're automatically in because they're not part of a conference, so they couldn't be any of those three, three, two, two, and one automatic qualifiers. But they're, if they're top 14, they would get in, meaning there'd only be two at-large spots. I hate all of this. I really do. We don't need automatic qualif- that many auto- automatic qualifiers. Let's. I mean, this might not even happen, so it, I could be just jumping the gun here. But let's just see the 12-team playoff play out because I really think it's going to work well. And I get it. I, I think the winner of the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and Big 12 should get in. And then the group of five, the, the highest-ranked champion from uh, the group of five, the highest-ranked non-Power 5 conference champion is getting a automatic bid. And then you have seven at-larges. I'm good with that. But then if you change it to 14 and now you're like, yeah, but it, you might as well, you know what you might as well do? Just tell the group of five to go to hell because that's what they want to do. SEC, Big Ten basically want to break off and form their own conference because Big Ten is going to have 18 teams next year and SEC is going to have 14. They're going to have 32 of the 64 teams that are in Power Five conferences. Half of them are going to be in two conferences next year, the SEC and the Big Ten. So they basically want to break off, and that's what this 14-team thing would be. It would, you know, you might as well just say, screw you, group of five. We're going to go SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Big 12, Notre Dame if they're in the top 14, and we'll take four spots for at-larges from those four conferences. They don't care about the group of five. They really don't. And there's rumblings that SEC and Big Ten is looking to break off and get the hell out of this thing. And the other thing we're talking about here is this contract would essentially run because right now it's kind of in writing that ESPN is going to pay one point, ESPN, ABC, and Disney is going to pay $1.3 billion for a six-year contract starting in 2026. But conferences are changing all the time. So I don't even know how they could guarantee something like this. We don't even know what conferences are going to look like in three years from now, which would be one year into this new deal. So, um, you know, it's a 16-team SEC. Oh, I said 32 teams. No, 16-team SEC and 18-team Big Ten this year. So 34 of the 64 teams that are in Power 5 conferences, two of them, two conferences hold those teams, you know. So I I really think that let's watch the 12-team playoff play out, and I don't really want to go to this at all, just like I don't want to go to 80 or 96 teams in March Madness either. Just can we leave well enough alone, please? Speaking of March Madness, Jay Billis went on a podcast for on a Barstool podcast to kind of clarify what he was talking about when he said after the Duke court storming in Wake Forest over the weekend where Kyle Filipowski got injured and he didn't even get injured. He led them to a victory last night, led them in scoring last night. So everybody freaking out about, oh, my God, kid's going to get injured. Kid played the next game and was a leading scorer. So let's stop it that the court storming had that big of a an issue. Now, when Billis went on there, I was like, okay, maybe he's going to clarify what he said. I'll make more sense. It's actually more confusing. This is what he said. He goes, I'm not trying to arrest college kids. I'm sure you guys, Barstool Sports, are among the masses for which nuance is this thing you can't grasp. 
All I said was, we're not changing court storming. It's not going to stop. They don't want to stop it. So when they say they do, they're not telling the truth. If they wanted to stop it, they could stop it tomorrow. And that's why I said the thing about you could issue a few citations. Nobody would do it anymore. If they wanted to stop it, it's not that big of a deal. They don't want to stop it because they like the visual of it. And it sounds like you guys do too. But being completely honest about it, it's not part of the game. Like, the game's over. And if you think about, like, let me ask you guys, what's the best place in America and most passionate? The one place you'd want to see a basketball game? They basically said um, Wake Forest uh, after they beat Duke or whatever. But he said, the court storming thing, look, I'm not going to talk people out of it. If you love it, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. My perspective is that fans don't belong on the court ever and players don't belong in the stands ever. I don't think that's a controversial thing. If you guys want to do that, then do it. I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but don't tell me we can't stop it if we want to. Okay, that's the only point that I agree with. If they wanted to stop it, they could. But I think he's wrong when he says it's not part of the game. I'm sorry, Jay. This has been going on for 50 years. And it's not part of games that Jay ever played at home because Duke doesn't court storm because they're the favorites. Court storming happens when an upset happens or when a team who never beats another team finally beats them. It can be stopped or it can be regulated. I don't need it to be stopped, but I don't need him telling me this isn't part of the game. The hypocrisy in what Jay Billis is saying is also funny because ESPN glorifies court storming. And now they've got their analysts on there saying something, you know, coaches saying something needs to be done. And ESPN is, you know, having this selective outrage when no. How many times has ESPN led SportsCenter with big upset in college basketball tonight and we see the court storm? So you can't have it both ways. Sorry. And, of course, Jay Billis never called out his employer because he'd probably lose some money or get suspended. But it's very hypocritical of him to say this isn't part of the game when his own network flaunts court storming. Come on, Jay. And I also don't really agree with, um, you know, I, I don't really I just, I, I don't agree overall with his take. And I'm looking at it and... <laughs> He says they're, you know, they're not telling the truth. If they wanted to stop it, they could stop it tomorrow. And that's why I said the thing about you could issue a few citations. Well, that's not what you said. You said everybody that runs on the court, then round them all up and give them citations. You didn't say you're going to pick and choose who gets citations out of that group. You said once they're all on the court, rope them off and give them all citations. That's what you said. So... It just seems like he's getting worse and worse, and he's the best college basketball analyst out there and a lawyer. That's why I can't believe he's so off base on this. And I know it's just his opinion, and his opinion, you know, is something I disagree with, but he's off base when he says, you know, I don't think it's part of the sport. It's just like, Jay, shut up. It's a huge part of the sport, and it's been going on forever. And the only reason why you are losing your shit on it was because this weekend it happened to a player at Duke where you graduated from. You know, was Jay Billis jumping up and down when Caitlin Clark got clipped when they lost a game and people ran on the court? I don't remember him doing that. So the selective outrage by Jay is kind of bothersome. I hate that he did that, but that's my take. And I think they can regulate it, but definitely don't take it out of the sport. I think court storming is part of college basketball, but yes, we need to make it safe. I'm totally in agreement with that. And finally, in the NFL, there was a survey sent out 
to NFL teams, and they had to every player uh, that could wanted to take it. They had 1,700 players participate in this survey anonymously, and the top two teams overall in the survey were the Dolphins and the Vikings, and the Chiefs ranked 31st out of these, out of 32. And this is really weird because their head coach ranked number one, but owner Clark Hunt ranked last out of 32 team owners. And the grades were based on what players perceived as a willingness to invest in the team's facilities. The Chiefs ranked 26th in the food cafeteria category, 31st in the nutritionist dietitian category, 31st in training room, and 31st, 32nd in training staff. And apparently the Chiefs stand out because they ranked poorly in many of the same categories last year. One specific criticism the Chiefs player has would they have stools instead of actual chairs in the locker room, and the team did switch to chairs according to the NFLPA. Chiefs players also said they were promised after the 2022 season that the locker room would be renovated, but it was not. According to the NFLPA, players were told their Super Bowl run extended the season so long so the team didn't have enough time in the offseason to make renovations. Wait, what? I mean, (laughs) the playoff run only extends a month. If they never made the playoffs, they would have been done first week of January. Instead, they were playing until second week of February. You telling me that completely derailed any plans to renovate a locker room? They don't go into the locker room again until August or until September. <laughs> Tell me you can't fix a locker room in six months if you started the day after the Super Bowl ended? I don't buy that. So I don't know if they're just being cheap or what. Um, and one of the quotes from the NFLPA was like, I think there's some frustration back that, hey, we keep winning Super Bowls and nothing's coming back to us. So um, just hearing these things, I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) I thought these, you know, the Chiefs ranked 26th in the food cafeteria category. Okay, now we need to dig a little bit deeper. Are they serving these guys hot dogs and grilled cheese sandwiches (laughs) instead of, you know, protein hiked meals and pastas to get your carbs in you? Like, what? why is the Chiefs ranked 26th in food and cafeteria? Shouldn't these football teams and franchises have literally access to the best chefs in America to make whatever meals they want? I have to know now what the Chiefs have in their food and cafeteria. Hell, reading down later on in this story, it says that the Arizona Cardinals moved up because they stopped charging players for meals. What? <laughs> You go to the facility to eat a meal and they're charging you for it? What, like college? Do the Arizona Cardinals have a, uh, a Cardinals card that you swipe and it uses as a debit card like you're in college? What the hell are the Cardinals doing charging their players for food? I haven't even heard of such a thing. They changed the floors and equipment in the weight room and they added a small family gathering room for game days. Well, congratulations. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals were criticized... For after last year's survey for not providing players three meals a day. They made a slight change to that policy and now offer three meals at the facility on Wednesdays. This, <laughs> this is blowing my mind. This is the most popular sporting league in all of them, the United States, and it blows away the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball. I read you the numbers all the time. What these networks pay to run NFL games I tell you this constantly, and I'm like, and now I'm reading this? 
The Chiefs can't give their players good food? The Jaguars went from 28th to 5th overall. Last year's survey, they complained about rats in the Jaguars' facilities. How low rent is this stuff? Dallas Cowboys dropped from 5th to 12th. The main reason was the D-plus grade that the players gave the Cowboys' training staff, which ranked 30th overall, mainly because players felt the team doesn't have enough trainers. Interesting. First I've heard of that. But, man, that is crazy. Travel issues, one of the part of the survey. Some teams still require some of their younger players to room together in the hotel the night before the game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers offer players the option to buy out of the roommate requirement for $1,750 a year. Now, if you were to tell me that they were charging players $1,750 each game they wanted to opt out of a roommate, that would have made sense to me. $1,750 a year? You play eight road games? I mean, that's $250 a game if you did that? That's, That's nothing. Can't believe they even offered that. Apparently, the Dolphins and Vikings are in a class of their own. Packers are third. And then Eagles, Jaguars, Niners, and Texans are three through seven. So um, the Dolphins finished top three in 10 of the 11 categories in the survey and eighth in the other, which was head coach. They were first in food and cafeteria. So please, anybody that works for the Dolphins, tell me what's in your cafeteria compared to what the Chiefs are serving. I need to know this. Are the Chiefs serving like Sloppy Joes and the Dolphins are serving filet mignon? (laughs) Why are they so far behind the times? But anyway, Dolphins, first in food, weight room, training room, training staff, team travel, and owner. And the Vikings ranked either first or second in eight of the 11 categories. I'm fascinated now by this survey, and I want to know more answers. I want to know what the Chiefs are serving their players. I, chicken nut nuggies? You know, Andy Reid's got that State Farm commercial where he says he loves those nuggies. Maybe they're serving them nuggies and dino, dino kids or whatever. I, please, somebody at the Chiefs organization, tell me, why do you guys suck in a rank 26th in food and cafeteria service? And why can't you get with the times? I need to know things like this. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review if you can. I'd really appreciate it. Tell your friends about it. Hopefully they like it too. But you got to hit play when you listen to this podcast. You have to. It doesn't count anymore for it to just download into your feed. Please hit play. And remember, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.